the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sure is at 3.04. Good afternoon and welcome to the Stefan Tubbs Show. Stefan's out today and Monday. Aaron Lapidus will be here on Monday afternoon. I'm Randy Corcoran from Saturdays 9 to noon, and I am so grateful to be here and especially glad to have you along. Uh, for folks new to my name or my work here on the weekends at 710 KNUS, I'm the chairman of the Arapaho Tea Party, largest Tea Party group in Colorado, the Republican National Committee man for the state of Colorado. So I have a vote on the national stage with the GOP. And then, you know, when I'm out giving speeches or presentations or meeting new people uh, as a speaker or a participant, the way I always like to sort of identify myself is really pretty simple. I'll, I'll come up to the microphone and smile and nod and, you know, have some exchanges and get things going and then let folks know that my name's Randy Corcoran and I'm a God-fearing, country-loving husband, dad, granddad, constitutional conservative, Tea Party, patriot, Republican, in that order. And I'll tell you what, when I am speaking to groups, especially Republican groups, I can tell right away if I'm talking to a grassroots right-wing activist, sovereign border, low taxes, strong military, limited government group, or I'm talking to other Republicans because sometimes people are like, oh, okay, why in that order? Especially since I'm the Republican National Committee man. But I think it's very, very important to lay out the order of priorities and how you decide things and how you make decisions. The reason I became politically active was because I was extremely disappointed in the results of the two parties that were at play. And I watched a president named George W. Bush come out and talk about violating free market principles in order to save the free market. <laughs> I, you know, I have a college degree. I'm an attorney now. But even when that was going on, it didn't really take um, a brainiac to understand that that just can't be right. So I got up off the couch. I started getting active. I found the Tea Party very appealing because they were standing up against high taxes and the horrible collapse of our financial system and, and all of the things that seemed significant to me as a high school dropout turned um, business owner, an eventual college grad, eventual lawyer. And as I got more involved, I realized, look, there, I got no business in the Democrat Party. There's no, there's no hope over there. Those folks want bigger government. They want to be told what to do. Uh, they believe that social issues control, and they buy the promises and the lies that politicians make all the time. And especially when it comes to the Democrats, they think that their promises are actually their results, and they're never held accountable. So I started paying attention to the Republican Party. And man, oh, man, what did I see over there? I saw people who paid no attention at all to the pro-life, uh, strong, conservative, 
lower regulation, lower taxes, sovereignty as a priority platform of the Republican Party. Or people who ran as conservatives during the election season and then when they went to Washington, D.C., or settled into a, and I, I won't say cozy job because the people in our state legislature work their tails off for very little pay, but they'd settle in and get to the go along to get along uh, sort of position in their operations that continues to allow our state and our country to slide further and further to the left. So I started focusing on the Republican Party and, uh, you know, started at a precinct level, eventually became a delegate, eventually a presidential delegate, and now the Republican National Committee man. And I am here to report that everything I see within the Republican Party, the trends around the country in the Republican Party is back to the principles, the platform, the foundation that gives us a chance as citizens to push back away from this precipice, this edge that we're standing on at the ballot box, through social media, through talk radio, through all kinds of alternative methods of communications. It's working in the schools and in the school boards. It's working with all different kinds of groups, uh, whether you're dividing people by their color, by their ethnicity, by their heritage, by their history, by their self-proclaimed gender, Republicans are drawing attention from all of them. And despite what you hear on the radical left, lamestream media, what I always refer to as the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled mainstream media, we're winning the argument. We are winning the day. We have to fight for election integrity. We have to fight to get our messages out. We especially have to fight to get Republicans to understand the Republican platform and fight and act like Republicans. But labels are always a problem, aren't they? And it's very, very interesting because, I, uh, frankly, there is a particular – my phone shouldn't be answering right now. Let me just shut that down. There is a particular pundit. Someone who changed the trajectory of politics in this country, who changed the ability, the, the method, the mechanism, the, even the style of communicating conservative values in a way that people understand these are not people stuck in their ways. These are not people who want to return to you know the 1700s and a country full of slaves and everything else that, in fact— the things that matter to people like me, and I assume a great deal of people like you, are the things we need to stand firm on in order to preserve the security, the sovereignty, the success, the prosperity of the greatest country the world has ever known. And the person who literally turned the tide against Democrats and started this long, decades-long awakening by many, many Republicans and activists and conservatives around the country that we could no longer just wait until Election Day and no longer just rely on if we just got a Republican in there, everything was going to be okay. Woke us up to the importance of holding people accountable, holding people firm to their particular um, promises and reminding them that if they're going to run to represent us in this party, they need to stand for the things that this party stands for. And that does create some problems. We've got some problems with that right here in our own uh, candidate grouping for Republicans this year. And we'll talk about that later. But the person that I'm talking about, the true 
talk radio legend, none other than the late, great, historically significant, award-winning Rush Limbaugh. And maybe if you were a regular listener, this will be familiar to you. I remember hearing this. I remember talking about it um, back maybe as far back as 2014 when I first did my first talk radio, actually probably late 2013, because I strongly disagreed with what Rush, Rush Limbaugh has to say about labels. Let's see what you think. I look at, I'm, I don't like having to say this, but uh, being honest with you and with myself is, is paramount. And I can tell you, and you know this without me telling you, that if, if conservatism and liberalism are brands, the left has succeeded in destroying the, destroying the brand of conservative. All you have to say the word conservative and they think you're talking about a Nazi or a racist. Pushing conservatism is not the answer. So what I would suggest to you, when you're out and about and you're doing, if you, if you run a, uh, into an, uh, an occasion where you have the opportunity to talk politics to people that don't agree with you, do not use the word conservative. Do everything else, but don't call yourself that. Don't promote it. We've got a brand problem. It's time we, I, I hate it. I hate having to admit it. Get rid of it. Stop calling yourself that. Just be one. I think, I think you're going to find if we do this, that you're going to have far more people agree with your solutions than will disagree if you don't identify yourself first as a conservative when talking. Rush had one of those dramatic pauses there. I thought he was done. But uh, he was actually responding to a caller. And um, I just remember when I heard that for the very first time, I thought, no, 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 no. We do not give in to the labeling of the radical left. We do not give in to the labeling of the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine. Instead, we push back. We fight back. We celebrate the terms that we believe describe our belief system have historically supported the things that we stand for. I don't walk away from being a Tea Party patriot. I don't walk away from being a constitutional conservative. And yet year after year, I mean, Rush Limbaugh, a um, long time ago, suggested that we talk about the ideas and get away from the labels. My other concern and my other response as I think about this um, back when I first started um, just considering Russia's position on whether we should delabel, is that what good's it going to do? Because the left will find another label for us. Because we're racist, we're homophobes, we're xenophobes, we're phobophobes. You name it, uh, they'll find a label for it. And it doesn't matter how nice you are. Uh, Mitt Romney, when he was running for the nomination for president, was uh, well-loved and well-respected, just like John McCain, by the media. It was welcomed and, and just loved to support him and hear what he had to say. As soon as either of those extremely moderate Republicans became president of the United States, they were under a regular attack. So is Rush right about that? Is Rush on to something that it's time to talk about the ideas but avoid the labels? 
Our guest at the 6 o'clock hour, I think this is a four-hour show. So, yeah, our guest at the 6 o'clock hour has a different approach, and I think you will really, really enjoy him. His name is Kay Carl Smith, and he's the founder of the Frederick Douglass Republicans. And, man, oh, man, I think he's been going about 12 years strong with him. As Republican National Committee man, every Thursday I'm on a, well, not always, but I try to be every Thursday on a prayer call, a national prayer call with other members 168 members of the Republican National Committee, and um, we have a just a wonderful prayer call. And sometimes we bring in a speaker and someone who uh, you know gives a presentation, maybe does the prayer. K. Carl Smith was on with us this Thursday, and, and he's been a friend for years. And it reminded me that I hadn't shared him with the 710 Can US audience in a long, long time. So he has a different approach to reaching out, especially in black communities, and uh, as a Republican, as a conservative, and he will share that with us at 6 o'clock. That should be fascinatingly interest- interesting. And at 5 o'clock, uh, somebody that, uh, boy, if you don't know, you'll be glad that I brought him to your attention. His name is Steve Dace, and he does a TV show on Blaze TV. He's a wonderful author. He used to be a nationally syndicated talk radio host. I did my only a national syndicated talk radio when I filled in for Steve Dace. And uh, one of his books, and we'll ask him about this labeling comment by Rush Limbaugh, one of his books was called uh, Rules for Conservatives. Or let's see, Rules for, yeah, Rules for Conservatives. Um, well, Rules for Somebody, not Radicals, How Conservatives Can Win Again. I thought I would remember that name, but I almost always have to write them down. But it was a tremendous book. It did use the labels. Um, I've never been around a man whose mind works any faster. I mean, it's just exhausting to walk and talk with him to just try and keep up, not with the walking, but with the talking. But he's got a new book out. He says it is his most important book ever, and uh, we're going to share it with you, uh, give you a tease at 5 o'clock. 4 o'clock, we'll spend some time with Priscilla Ron. She's the Vice Chairman of the Colorado State Republican Party, talk a bit about how things are going here in Colorado. But also, one of the reasons I wanted to bring her on early in the show is kind of a tease for our 6 o'clock conversation with Kay Carl Smith, because she is a Frederick Douglass Republican. And so we'll get a sort of a taste of what that means from somebody who is a grassroots activist, now a leader in our state party here. And um, someone from that side of the Frederick Douglass Republicans, as opposed to the guy who created the whole idea, K. Carl Smith, uh, should be um, a good warm-up for our visit with K. Carl Smith. But I'll tell you what, there is a great deal to celebrate this week. And yes, I've got some audio, I've got a vent. Thank goodness I've got four hours today and, an, and then my regular three hours tomorrow, because there is so much to get off my chest, including this year anniversary of the debacle in Afghanistan. And I just want to remind you of the liar-in-chief and what he has to say uh, and what he promised. And you'll, if you hear some of his old clips from a year ago and compare him to the new ones, you'll see just how badly he is fading. Uh, we're definitely going to address some of that as the show goes on. But after our break, when we come back, I cannot wait to introduce you to someone who's become a good friend through our work on the Republican National Committee. He's the chairman of the Wyoming State Republicans. And I got to tell you, for the last few weeks leading up to this Wyoming primary that said bye-bye to Liz Cheney, um, 
There has been tremendous confidence and still apprehension because Liz Cheney was mobilizing. Liz Cheney raised $15 million for her run for Congress, only spent 1.5 of it. So you know, you have to know that she's running for president. But she's raised $15 million. And she was using that money to convince Democrats and disaffected, you know, never Trump Republicans to cross over and usurp the will of the Wyoming voters, the Wyoming Republicans, and try and hang on to that congressional seat, you know, power at all costs. So when we come back, we will celebrate with Frank Ethorn, chairman of the Wyoming State GOP, the demise of not only the Cheney family, but um, the, the whole, and I don't mean the death, but the political demise of the Cheneys, the Bush factions, the Clinton factions, the McCain factions. They were all gobbled up during the four years and the election leading up to the four years of President Donald J. Trump. And the destruction of the old guard Republicans continues. And I know they're not going away. These are wealthy people used to power, used to having their way. But slowly and surely, the party is changing. The people are waking up. And Liz Cheney was a major part of that celebration. I cannot wait to talk to the chair of the Wyoming GOP when we return here on the Stephen Tubbs Show, 710 KNUS. We're back on the Stephen Tubbs Show at 326. Is Stephen by the sea? Did he fly off to California? Is that, I know his kid's going to college out there now, right? Okay. Ah, very cool, very cool. Randy Corpin in for Stefan. Um, Aaron Lapidus will be here on Monday. Stefan will be back on Tuesday. And because even though I started college as a math major, I can't seem to do clock math, I did get the times wrong for guests today. And um, But that's a real bonus for you because my the guest I thought was scheduled for 5 o'clock was scheduled for 3 o'clock, and he is standing by right now. My good friend Steve Dace, who I just talked about when I was giving you the lineup. Steve, my friend, my apologies. Good afternoon and welcome. Oh, no biggie, brother. It's all good. How you been, man? Man, I have just been great. Things are on fire uh, around the country. There's so much to to talk about. Tremendous enthusiasm in the Republican Party. Lots to talk about, uh, you know, with regard to the tremendous weakness and and just panty wasteism at the top, but uh, that gives us an awful lot to shoot at, and that keeps me, uh, you know, figuratively shoot at, and that keeps me awfully busy. So um, as Republican National Committee man, I'm having a great time. Well, good. I'm just watching hail. <laughs> Is so that my life's going, a little simpler. Is that what's going on in Iowa right now? Yes. All right. Yeah, biblical-sized hail. But what's going on? I'm, re- I'm your man. Let's go. All right. Well, I was um, uh, in the opening segment of the show, I played an old clip from um, from Rush Limbaugh where he talked about how we should get away from labels. And he in that particular clip, he said that uh, we should stop referring to ourselves as conservatives. And, uh, you know, I always introduce myself as a Tea Party patriot, conservative Republican in that order. And um, given the fact that you've been one of the strongest conservatives I've ever met and known, putting your money where your mouth is every time you get a chance. What do you think about the labeling? I, I don't even know what many of these labels mean anymore. I mean, to me, conservatism is, you know, the, the definition of a word is what its root word means. 
All right. And so the definition, the root word of conservatism is conserve. So to me, what a conservative is trying to do is conserve that which history uh, has revealed this side of uh, heaven is what's best, true, and beautiful for the human condition and human flourishing. That's what I have traditionally been attempting to conserve. Now, uh, it's a, as a political label, it's, it's, it's utterly meaningless. Um, and, and, you know, we're trying to, a lot of people are trying to rebrand now with America First and with MAGA. And I get that. Um, and, you know, there's a big, uh, they're having uh, some interesting fights over there with kind of the Jared Kushner wing and the true believer wing of who really owns that term. And I think those fights are healthy to have. But right now, I, I think right now, if anything, I'm just other than, you know, my identity as a Christian, uh, I'm just referring to myself as a truthist. I mean, I, I, I just think we live in a truthless culture, Randy, where the, the truth has been largely chloroformed from our society almost like it's unattainable, unachievable. And that, that is, you know, assuming we're actually looking for it. And all too often, we're not. Uh, we're just looking for a narrative or justification for how I can use this coercive force of government to impose on you. And so much of that from both sides of the aisle. And yet, uh, as I look around, it seems to me like there is a great awakening um, happening among the masses where people are understanding that the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine is a constant lie, that we have at the top of our political parties a uniparty where uh, they never want to be, you know, too, uh, especially Republicans, never want to be fully in control. They're happy to just be an opposition minority under Mitch McConnell, uh, and yet the people aren't standing it anymore. We see school boards, uh, you know, being flipped. We see district attorneys being recalled. We see election possibilities swelling as we head toward November. Uh, And I look at all that with some apprehension, but still a great deal of confidence that if God's in charge and we can get enough people awake, it's not too late for the United States. No, I mean, I have a belief system that begins that a dead man walked out of a tomb alive. So, you know, um, it's, it's never, it's never too late according to that belief system. But that doesn't mean that, um, the lights don't go out uh, on individual cultures. And that doesn't mean that, uh, that, that, you know, judgment is never deserved. And, you know, we have history books along those lines about uh, once great civilizations and empires that no longer exist at all. And so it, and it's not as if that were to happen to this one, they would not be justified given the current state of insanity, chaos, uh, treachery and debauchery that we are attempting to institutionalize, formalize, and rationalize and legitimize on an institutional, cultural, systemic level. I think what's fascinating, though, and optimistic, and in, in where we have a chance here that w- they did not have in Western Europe, uh, when uh, the original, uh, the old Western, the original Western civilization, when, when this, all this stuff was introduced to them, the church was already largely gone. Uh, from that culture. Um, there weren't 200 million, uh, you know, privately owned guns like there are in, in this society right now. Uh, and so they were, they were, they were primed. That pump had been primed and, and the spirit of the age just marched through Western Europe, like Hitler through the champs elysees In this society, even though the church is, is greatly diminished in terms of its traditional place of influence in the culture, because it's 
always been the most influential institution in our culture. It influenced American culture's founding from the pilgrims on. But we still have far more church influence in this culture uh, than exists anywhere else in the in, 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 in you know the, the modern West. You know, you look at places like France, where two percent of the population there is evangelical. Many of the great Catholic cathedrals of old are mosques now, or strip malls, or just empty. Uh, we still have a very large, vibrant pe- a group of people that will be attending some form of worship service uh, that that actually worships their Creator and not the culture this weekend. Um, and so you throw that in with the insurance policy provided by the Second Amendment, and that gives you a fighting chance. Uh, And uh, now the question, though, comes down to this. Will the people you vote for actually represent you and make a difference? Because that has not been uh, the history in totality, with few exceptions, within the Republican Party. We are watching Ron DeSantis do things in the ultimate swing state of Florida, that would have been that, that people that live in places like Alabama and Mississippi and Oklahoma think that's just unthinkable. We could never get away with that here. And yet he is doing that there. He has violated every GOP consultant's advice. He's gone against it all. He's thrown it all to the wind. Uh, he did. He, well, he won his election by fewer than 40,000 votes. He didn't come in conciliatory, didn't move to the middle because he, you know, had a divided voting electorate. I mean, he has just gone uh, from going after Sheriff Israel pretty much his first day in office to everything we have seen since. He has just ruthlessly but effectively, uh, those two things, sometimes we do one or the other. We rarely do them both. He has ruthlessly but effectively pursued his agenda. And the result, there has been over a 300,000 voter registration swing in the state of Florida from Democrats to Republicans, and he hasn't even completed his third year in office yet. And so he has, this is doing down there right now is conducting a modern political science class. It ought to be the model to be followed everywhere. I look at a state like West Virginia, Randy, a Democrat presidential candidate hasn't won a precinct, let alone county in that state since 2008. How in the world is Florida redder than West Virginia? How is it redder than Alabama? How is it redder than Mississippi? And so on. And I think that's where it comes down to, does the Republican Party's current leadership finally hate what Democrats are determined to do to the country more than they hate their own base? That is the question on the table, because Ron DeSantis has proven to us now that you can be politically uh, successful with the stuff ideologues that host shows like you and me talk about. You can actually govern this way. It can be done. Previously, Trump showed us you could win talking about the things the way that we do on our talk shows. You could win that way. DeSantis is showing you can govern that way. And so the Republican Party from this time forward is without excuse. So we shall see. Yeah, well, (laughs) words of wisdom for uh, some of the Republican pundits and others here in my own home state. You know, I always have the excuse, well, we're more of a purple state now. But uh, you see what's happening in Florida, as you mentioned. And I read a story today that uh, they can't keep the U-Haul trucks in California because people are, are renting them one way, often going to Florida, faster right. than they can bring them back there. So, uh, you know, the proof is really in the pudding. And, and the media keeps us pounded down uh, with all of the bad news. They're always focused on Trump or Mar-a-Lago or, or some Republican problem. And, 
And it's so important for people to understand that average Americans trying to fill their cars, trying to fill their refrigerators, understand that Democrats are in control right now. And all that pain is as a result of these Democrat policies and start acting like you have a mandate. Start acting like you have the right ideas and the right policies. And, man, that's what I'm trying to pump people up. And I just want you to know, we've, we've got you here to talk about your book. I assume you can stay through a break. Sure. Okay. Um, I just want you to know on the RNC, man, that, that old Titanic of a ship, uh, that when I got elected there, uh, I thought I was going in, probably had to be a covert spy, you know, just to try and figure out a way to right. start right. changing things. And I found myself— You're one of the, the Canaanite spies on the RNC. Yeah. <laughs> right, I hear you. And I yeah. got there, and I'm surrounded by America First um, patriots who believe in our platform, our pro-life, limited government platform, and are just as upset at—, at certain Republican leaders who break promises or career politicians, um, the Mitch McConnells of the world. Um, You know, thanks for the Supreme Court, Mitch. Now get the heck out of the way, you know. And it gives me some optimism there, too, when you see this 168 group of of people that have been, you know, the old guard GOP for decades. It's all turning around, and it's slow by man years. You know, we're not up in the cosmos watching things move um, over decades and centuries. We're, We're wanting it done yesterday. And it seems like we're not getting anywhere. I feel like we are. I actually agree with most of that. Um, I, I'm, you know, I, my viewpoint doesn't tilt to optimism without ample amount of evidence. But, but I, I do agree that uh, our people, you know, I have a column out for the blaze today, you know, that you are starting to see examples of what I call traditional America uh, striking back and punitively and punishing these efforts to rob them of their right way of life, to normalize literal insanity. And so on that front, I, I think there is absolutely reason for optimism. My concern uh, is that the other side isn't going to just sit there. They're ahead of, they're ahead in the game. We, I think we have momentum right now. They, they, they're still ahead on the scoreboard, though, because it's a four-quarter game. Momentum is on our side. They're ahead. They're not going to quit. They're not going to lay down. Okay. And so they're not going to say, oh man, it's cute. They finally got their ass together over there. They're not going to do that. And so we're starting from behind. And I think that's what we have to understand is we are, is, is we can't even just settle for you'll stop the new bad stuff. You have to go in there and uproot the old bad stuff. I think that's why what happened with Roe in June is so key. Because we had operated not just under the canard of judicial, now I'm getting into your arena, but not just under the canard of judicial supremacist system, but we have really just bastardized stare decisis to literally mean now it just, it's whatever some pagan judge from the 666th district of Babylon conjures from the bowels of his depraved mind is the new law of America binding precedent on everybody and it can never be overturned, right? I mean, that's essentially what we had, what had occurred from a policy standpoint in the judicial judiciary branch, uh, starting with really Roe v. Wade. And so the, the way that that opinion was written by Samuel Alito, the fact that we didn't win on a technicality like we did on the Hobby Lobby case, well, you guys are just too mean, but they didn't uphold the premise of the point of why they were mean. In this case, the, the way that Alito wrote that opinion, where he completely destroyed the judicial canard of the premise that led to Roe in the first place, that's something we have not seen, even at the court in cases that we land cases we have won. It's always been a kind of on the margins 
or on some technicality or their overreach. And so we need to understand that needs to be the model going forward. You're not going in there to stop them from, oh, my gosh, if we lose this election, they'll do blank. No, you're going in there to stop to uproot all the terrible demonic stuff they did like the last 10 elections. That's what you're going in there for. Very. I got to tell you, and we do have to take the break, but I that's the most optimistic about the future in the years I've been talking with you that I think I've I've heard you be. (laughs) And that is exciting. So I want everybody to stick around because um, the first book I ever read from Steve Dace, D-E-A-C-E, was Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again, some labels over there. Your most recent book was The Faucian Bargain, where you took on uh, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history, as the title it said. And now your new book, which we'll discuss when we come back, Rise of the Fourth Reich, Confronting COVID Fascism with a New Nuremberg Trial So This Never Happens Again. The ever uncontroversial Steve Dace will stay with us, and I hope you will too. Right now, we got to check in with Lori Kilman in the 710 KNUS newsroom. We'll be right back on 710 KNUS. Here we go. I'm back. 3.46, 14 minutes to go until 4 o'clock. Randy Corcoran in for Stefan Tubbs. We've got uh, my good friend Steve Dace on the line, D-E-A-C-E, from Blaze TV. And uh, went through the last couple of books that he did. And um, I'm just so glad that, uh, because I know he's going to be warmly welcome to The View and, uh, you know, whatever replaced <laughs> Phil, uh, Dr. Phil or whatever, with his new, uh, just mild man. He's, he's done some fiction. This is nonfiction. But a really uncontroversial title, Rise of the Fourth Reich, Confronting COVID Fascism with a New Nuremberg Trial So This Never Happens Again. And Steve, let me just tell you, all the litigation I got into after they were shutting us down, uh, much of it that didn't you know, pan out, although we did get a lot of people reopened, kept them alive through the shutdowns, and, and they're back in business going full force. But that was always my line. You know, We have to fight these fights now so they never happen again. And we're starting mm-hmm. to get some good results in court, but that's not nearly enough, uh, You know, the civil suits and, and that kind of thing. What you're talking about is much, much more important than that, so let me turn it over to you. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, Dr. Robert Malone, one of the decorated virologists of this era, fired a, filed a defamation lawsuit against the Washington Post today. Uh, my man, Matt Staver, over at Liberty Council, just beat the United States Marine Corps on their jab mandate uh, in federal court today. Uh, he had previously uh, forced one of the uh, largest insurance or, or largest healthcare uh, employee networks in the country to settle with all everybody they fired for over $10 million. These are but steps. They're important steps. But ultimately, what needs to happen here is a Nuremberg-like trial for, for Nuremberg-like punishments. The, this is the worst assault against human rights, the worst crimes against humanity we have seen since that era. It's everything they did is in complete and total violation of the Nuremberg Code, every last syllable of it. They initiated a biomedical fascist authoritarian state. Now we're seeing the back end results of everything we warned about during lockdowns now. And now we're seeing more and more data come out about just how dangerous these jabs are, how uh, and, and why they wanted to wait 75 years before showing us what was actually in their human trials. 
this this is if this is not punished criminally, they will do it again. It may not be another virus. It may be wait. You're teaching your kids there's only that the that there's only one God and it's the God of the Bible. Your views are a public health danger. They they cause gay people to commit suicide. We can't have that. What you teach your kids that there's only two genders, a trans kid uh, four counties over committed suicide last night. Your views are a public health danger. We can't have that. Your guns are a public health danger. We can't have that. They have been they have been looking issues like climate change. People don't care. They have been looking for an issue to make us care and make it painful on an individual granular molecular basis for decades. They found it. We showed them our backsides. We showed them the Achilles heel. Scare us with a public health menace. Uh, and we will uh, we will literally roll over and let you do whatever you want to us. Suddenly, a whole bunch of liberals that were convinced corporations were just greedy were, were just greedy prostitutes. Now it's like corporations are greedy, except if they're called Pfizer. And then jab me, baby, do whatever you want to me, baby, do it over and over again. I'm your huckleberry. We have to stop this. And if we don't hold the people accountable who are responsible for the creation of the virus itself, for the spread of the virus for the mitigation efforts that all didn't work and or made it worse to the fact that we have spent decades, generations trying to come up with a respiratory virus vaccine to a coronavirus vaccine. And we somehow managed to stick the landing with never before tried technology in nine months, uh, except, you know, for all of the excess deaths we're still seeing that are non-COVID related, except for the skyrocketing rates of cancer we're seeing except for the, the skyrocketing rates of myocarditis and clinical heart issues. The study out of Thailand recently, 18% of teenage boys in that study, just days after getting the second dose of Moderna, Randy, they had abnormal EKG. These are 13, 14, 15-year-old boys. We'll see if they'll recover. They'll recover now, but on the backside, that's tread on their heart tires that will shorten their lifespans on the back end. And for what? For a virus that unless they had a multiple comorbidities or were over this age of 75, they had a 99.7% chance of surviving. No, this was never about a virus. This was power and control. That's why they never gave us control groups. That's why they don't give us transparency with data. That's why when all the things, when the mask and everything showed the data that it wasn't working, they could have admitted, Randy, hey, we, over, we overstepped. We're just trying to act here. Sorry, our bad. Nope. They're still trying to get your kids to mask at schools in major cities. They're still trying to get you to, get, to jab your little kids with this stuff. They've never admitted any mistakes at all. They've never been transparent, which just goes to show you if this was about health, they would have done those things. You know who doesn't show transparency, who doesn't show empathy, who doesn't, show, who doesn't hold himself accountable? Autocrats, authoritarians, because that's what this was about, because that's who they are. And that's why Daniel Horowitz and I wrote this book. Pre-sales are available right now. Rise of the Fourth Reich. You can get pre-sales today. It was the number one nonfiction book, nonfiction political book in the country last week, six months before its release. If you want to read, it is framed like a Mott Nuremberg trial. We don't have a table of contents we call witnesses. They're all on the record, whistleblowers from healthcare, from the Department of Defense. Everybody's on the record. All these interviews are all recorded to get to the bottom of what they did here and to who and to why. And if you want to read the opening statement, like, you know, the opening argument in a court, 12,000 words over 80 footnotes. If you want to read that opening statement, go to trials, plural, and execution.com. Trials and execution.com. 
you can give us your email address and we will send you the PDF for free of that opening statement. You can read it right now. And Steve, when I thought you were coming on at five o'clock Denver time, I had actually planned to do that and put some of that out there. But um, and I but I do have a question. Um, during the break, I was texting to your co-author Daniel Horowitz. Just uh, remarkable, continuing great work at conservative day or conservativereview dot com, and um, he's on vacation now. Why in the world is he doing that? And you're here having to stump for this book. Well, first of all, if you know Daniel, I believe this is the first vacation he has taken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since the Maccabee Revolution, yeah. okay, so it's 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 been a while. It's been a minute, and I've actually taken a few uh, vacation weekends and uh, days off. So I'm happy to pinch it, he's, my man. He's such a good guy. I uh, and so we're going to get it. We'll get him on and keep talking about this book. And I'm looking forward to reading it so I can really get into it with uh, with our audience. Because sitting here at this mic, I mean, they they finally slapped a disclaimer on my show to say it was not medical advice. Uh, which is probably a wise thing. You know, these are the opinions of the host, not of the station, all of those kinds of things. Because I, I wasn't giving medical advice so much as I was just telling people, don't buy the propaganda. Do your homework. Go outside of yeah. the normal mainstream yeah. channels for getting your information. Ignore the pretty, glitzy, Hollywood-produced commercials and uh, and do your own work. And everything that we've been terrified about has proven to be true with people dying, with people having heart attacks, heart inflammation, strokes, on and on and on, and it's just beginning, and yet, as you said, they're not letting up. So Rise of the Fourth Reich, Steve Dace, Daniel Horowitz, and get it at Amazon. Um, give the website again for trialsandexecution.com. I guess I just did. You just did. Get That's where you can statement. enter your email address, and we will send you a PDF of the opening statement right now if you want to do that. Trials and execution. Execution is singular. Trialsandexecution.com. Just uh, so grateful that it, it's taken too long, obviously, to to be able to get to learn enough about the dangers and then back them up with facts to have protected the the large number of people who just jumped in line and stuck that in their arm and the government wouldn't lie to me. Um, and I've got people that I work with. I've got colleagues who are uh, you know losing people that they know. We see Justin Bieber and others, you know, half of his face mm -hmm. wouldn't move for a while. They never mentioned yeah, I mean, the Randy, jab. They told us that they told us rebound COVID with Paxlovid only yeah. happened in less than 1% of cases. Yeah. What are the odds that the two men arguably getting the best health care in America, President Biden and Anthony Fauci, yeah. would both be in that less than 1%, brother? What are the odds of that? Okay. Absolutely. Come on now. Come on, man. Come on. Steve, it's been too long, man. If you get to Colorado, if I'm driving through Iowa, let's make sure we get together. I always tell people it's the most exhausting hours of my day trying to keep up with the speed of your mind, but it's very well <laughs> worth it. Very well worth it. I appreciate it. it, man. Very kind. Thank you very much, man. God bless God you, bless. my friend. All right. Thank you so much. Steve Dace, D-E-A-C-E. -E. You can follow him on Twitter. You can watch him on Blaze TV. Let's try and squeeze in a quick call with artists. Artists, welcome to the show. Hi. You know, it's just First of all, I don't think Biden remembers anything he's been signing, in my own personal opinion, That's for sure. which is really scary. We look like a bunch of idiots in America to the rest of the world, but it just it amazes me that they keep pulling this stuff out of God only knows where. I mean, the doggone COVID stuff and and. Just everything he's doing just scares me to death because we've never kind of been this uh, condescending to an authoritarian group of people. 
We've got uh, we've got calls loading up, but I've got uh, one, two, three, four at least Biden lies right here uh, that I hope to play before the end of the show. Artists, I got to you late. I hear the music in the background. Thanks for listening. Thanks okay. for calling. And um, I had promised Frank Ethorn, the chair of the Wyoming Republican Party, who will uh, celebrate the the bye bye to Liz Cheney. He will join us at the top of the hour. Right now, it's time for news on 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 